This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. We are back. Um, we, uh, we, we're away for last week. Uh, I, I apologize for that. We had some electrical work being done here in the studio uh, for a couple of days, so uh, I was not able to do the show and uh, then I had to uh, to head back up north to Connecticut. My mom, uh, uh, as is going to happen to all of us, my mom uh, is having some health issues and had to be hospitalized. And uh, so I was up there for the remainder of the week. But uh, I am back now. Uh, uh, just uh, say some prayers for my mom, if you would. Say some prayers for me, too, I guess, because uh, I can use all the help I can get. But uh, we're back, and uh, it was a... Uh, a strange week for me. I mean, I was out of touch with a lot. I mean, the Olympics were going on, of course, and the Celtics had a busy week. The Bruins had a busy week, and I missed a lot of it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but what I did not miss was the Super Bowl last night. Uh, watch that. Uh, I would not say that it was the greatest Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls. However, it was compelling. I mean, you have to you have to hand it to them. Uh, uh, it went down to the final. Uh, the final plays, you know, a, a big drive by the Rams to get the lead in the final minute and a half. And uh, then the, the Rams defense came up absolutely huge. Aaron Donald, uh, a couple of plays on third and fourth down uh, that stopped the Bengals drive. I mean, look, they had gotten themselves into midfield. And, you know, with that kicker, McPherson, you figured all they had to do, you know, get them another 10, 12 yards. And, you know, that game could have been headed into overtime. Uh, but Aaron Donald, who's uh, known as a great pass rusher, made a huge play on a third down and one, uh, bringing down the, the runner. And uh, uh, then they get to Joe Burrow on fourth down. Joe Burrow, look, you know, there's been a lot of talk. And, and I said before the game, I was talking to my daughter uh, who lives out uh, in Ohio. She lives not far from Cincinnati. So, of course, everybody out there rooting for the Bengals. And I, I said to Hannah, I said, look, I said, I think, I think he's going to get sacked six times. I was wrong. He got sacked seven times. Absolutely brutal. Look, I don't know what the Bengals have planned for the draft. I don't know what the Bengals have in terms of funds when it comes to uh, what they can do in the free agent market. But I know this. If they don't get him some protection and do something about that offensive line, and I know some of it was injuries, but they have got to solidify that offensive line, not just the starting guys, but get them some depth, or you are going to get this kid killed. He is, look, he's very talented. Very talented. But he got sacked seven times yesterday, six times in the second half. You know, and... 
this is something that happened to him all season. He got sacked 70 times this year. And, of course, he hurt his knee on one of the sacks, limped off the field. There was, you know, everybody was scared to death. He wasn't coming back. And if that was the case, you know, everybody's like, well, you can, he, he can put a fork in him. Well, as it turned out, it didn't matter. They lost the game anyway. But he did come back in. But they have got to do something about protecting this kid. I mean, he got sacked nine times in a playoff game, and they still won. But you can't continually go to that well and think you're going to get away with it. So, again, uh, they've got to do something about it. Look, he's been sacked in four postseason games this year. He got sacked 19 times. Uh you know, it was just it, it. It was the story of the season for him. You know, fortunately, it looks like he's okay. Although he did say he's going to get it evaluated again just to make sure. And the knee that he hurt wasn't even the one that had to be surgically repaired last year when they almost got him killed. It was the other one. So hopefully, uh, it's nothing serious. Um, as, as Sean McVay was taking a beating on social media for the fact that they continued to try to run the football. Look, uh, I I don't honestly think they thought they were going to have that much trouble running the ball. And I'm sure, look, you know, coaches come into games with game plans. And I'm not going to kill them for that. I'm really not. You know, you had Cam Akers back. Uh, you know, you had guys that, that – you thought would be able to move the ball and you know on the ground of course they couldn't do it 23 carries for 43 yards but I'm you know look you've got you got to try you can't just abandon the run completely and at the end of the day look Matt Matthew Stafford was good okay he was or or he wasn't great but he was good enough but he threw two interceptions now one of them wasn't his fault but I don't know that I'm completely comfortable. And look, Stafford had a good season. He had a great season. You know, a guy that, that came from an absolutely awful franchise with the Detroit Lions and has a chance, you know, and gets his gets the Super Bowl. And I'm happy for him. But, you know, you got to try to run the ball. I'm sorry. And I know they have a great weapon in Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup ended up being the difference in this game. But at the end of the day, you got to try to run the ball. I'm sorry. So I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that, and you know all you people that wanted to say, well, you know, you know, he, you know, maybe they need to get somebody in there to call plays for him. Come on, he's probably the best coach, best young coach in football. You know, there's a lot of great young coaches, and he's one of them. Uh, you know, I mean, he's right at the top. Um, so you know. Just stop. I mean, everybody's a friggin' expert when you're, you're watching these games, and you know that's the problem with social media—the the the, uh, the instant reaction. You know, at the end of the day, if we didn't have social media and all we were doing was reading the newspaper accounts the next day, like we usually did, you know, and you look at the and, and at the end of the day, the Rams win the game twenty-three to twenty. Nobody would be talking about the fact they tried to run the football and couldn't. Um. And look, uh, hats off to the Bengals' defensive front seven. 
You know, I don't know that that anybody thought that this game would be as low scoring as it was. I thought there'd be more points. I really did. Uh, they did a great job of shutting the Rams down. Look, they held the Rams with the exception of that final drive, the 15-play, 79-yard drive in the final uh, five minutes of that game. Outside of that, the Rams had a field goal in the second half. Right? They did nothing. They had a Matt Gay 41-yard field goal at the end of the third quarter. And that was it. You know, the Rams got off to a better start than than Cincinnati. No question about that. They jump out early 13-3. to T. Higgins, a couple of touchdown receptions from uh, uh, one from Joe Burrow, one from Joe Mixon. Joe, just the second time in his uh, life, I think Joe Mixon had thrown a pass. I think they said he threw one in college, and that was for a touchdown as well. But I think the, 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 uh, the Cincinnati defense, you've got to take your hats off to them. Um, and it was interesting listening to the reactions. A lot of people who were Cleveland Browns fans, uh, not real happy at Odell Beckham Jr. You know, the fact that he ended up, you know, getting a ring with the Rams. But, hey, uh, look, he played well and left the game with a knee injury. And, you look, in some ways that hampered – you have to look at that too as, as part of the reason why the Rams maybe had so much trouble when really when Odell Beckham Jr. goes out, and it's Cooper Cup, and that's what you got in terms of, you know, guys in the pattern. You know, I mean, look, uh, you know, Hopkins caught four passes for 47 yards, but, you know, Jefferson, you know, caught a, a few passes. But, look, at the end of the day, Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. are the guys that everybody was frightened of. Beckham Jr., he caught the touchdown pass. He had two catches for 52 yards. If he doesn't get hurt and stays in that game, it might have been a different – it might not have gone down to the end. The Rams might have put up a couple more touchdowns. <coughs> um, and, and uh, look, uh, Cooper Cup, let, you, you can't say enough about this guy. And I know that Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, and I said this from the beginning. I thought Cooper Cup needed to get consideration for MVP, and he did get some consideration, obviously. But I – you could make the case that he was the MVP of the league this year. I mean, it's hard to argue against it. He single-handedly carried this Rams franchise on his back. Anytime anything they needed something, he was the guy. And think about this. He won the receiving triple crown this year, right? He was also the offensive player of the year. And, by the way, yesterday he was the Super Bowl MVP. Put this in perspective. Jerry Rice is the only wide receiver in NFL history to do those things. But Jerry Rice did those three things during the course of his career. And we all know how great Jerry Rice is. So think about that. He did he did those three things. Receiving Triple Crown, Offensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl MVP. He did that during his career. Cooper Cup did it in one season. That, ladies and gentlemen, to me, is the definition of most valuable player. Eight catches for 92 yards, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Uh, and on that uh, uh, huge drive 
he had four catches for 39 yards and a seven-yard run, and that might have been the biggest play here. If you remember, they were it was a fourth and one, and he came out of the slat, uh, out of the slat, out of the slot, and took the handoff and picked up the first down on fourth and one. So, so eight catches for 92 yards, a big first down run as well, and uh, you know. Definition of MVP, not just of this game, but of the league. And I'm sorry, I, you know, look, we all know how great Aaron Rodgers is, even though he's a bullethead. We all know how great he can be. But at the end of the day, Cooper Cup, in my opinion, had a season for the ages. He'll never do this again. At least I don't think so. You know, he did things we don't see wide receivers do. Um, the other part of this game and the Cincinnati Bengals, who were one of the least penalized teams in the NFL this year, was completely uh, unhinged. What, three or four personal foul calls? Unsportsmanlike conduct, late hits, you know, got just... just uh, Shot themselves in the foot time after time. Now there was a look. There were a couple of questionable calls by the referees. There was a defensive holding call down close to the goal line on that final uh, on that final drive that was questionable. Matter of fact, you could make the case it wasn't just questionable; it was wrong. You know, there was there was a little grabbing going on, but I would not say that it was. Uh, uh, heinous. So you could make the case that uh, the Rams got a little bit of a break, but at the end of the day, there was another play uh, where the Rams had been called for holding on a pass that was thrown into the end zone to Cup, and the Bengals got called for unnecessary roughness with a, a blow to the head against uh, Cooper Cup after he caught it. It was clearly he caught it, and then the defensive back took two steps and just crushed him, and he got flagged for that. So instead of the Rams getting backed up, it becomes offsetting penalties. So, you know, again, only four penalties called against the Cincinnati Bengals in this game, but they were huge. Three, three of them were absolutely immense. You know, and the defensive holding call, you know, I still I still thought that was kind of BS. But at the end of the day, we, you're going to see that during the course of the game. But the Bengals shot themselves in the foot here. No question. And we already mentioned Aaron Donald. What a great, uh, a great final series. What a great game he had, period. Um, and Von Miller, big game as well. He had a couple of sacks in this game. Von Miller, by the way, um, did something that uh, you don't see. He's the first player in Super Bowl history to have multiple sacks for two teams. If you remember, he played for Denver back in 2016 uh, in Super Bowl 50, and it was the game's uh, MVP. He had a couple of sacks yesterday as well, so Von Miller stepped up big as well. So, uh, and, and look, again, you know, Joe Burrow – did his best, and he, he got him close. You know, he tried to make it interesting, tried to maybe get this thing into overtime. But the Rams' defense was just too much. So, entertaining game. Again, not the greatest game I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. 
but still pretty good. No question. Uh, the other and sundry things around the Super Bowl, of course, uh, the halftime show. Now, look, let me, you know, look, I am not a fan of hip-hop music, but I am not going to go off on a rant and say, oh, my God, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I will say this. While it, I am not a fan of the genre, I thought one smart thing that they did was they went back in time and brought out some of the OGs, as they call them, and some of the people that were, uh, you know, guys like Dr. Dre and Snoop and uh, and having Eminem out there was smart. I mean, 50 Cent was out there. Look, you know, they, they were smart. Mary J. Blige was there. They were smart in who they did this with to not totally turn off uh, some of the older audience. Now, again, you go on social media, and it was brutal. I mean, there were some of the racist things that were said on social media last night about the fact that there were no white people on there. By the way, Eminem is white. But the fact that they actually even said that was just disturbing. But I will say, it. look, look I'll tell you what. The show that we saw yesterday was better than a lot of other ones I've seen, even though I'm not a fan of the music. The, the, that, the, remember the performance by The weekend? Wasn't that last year? That was brutal. It was awful. Awful. You know, and we've seen some others that have been bad. This was not the worst thing I've ever seen. Am I a fan of the music? No. Was I singing along? Hell no. I, you know, with the exception of uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem, I couldn't tell you one of those, what those songs were. Couldn't tell you. But it wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard. Which, coming from a guy that can't stand hip-hop music, I guess I, I guess that's high praise. But I thought the NFL was smart in who they invited. You know, uh, you know, the folks they had out there were pretty much the least offensive, I think, for people that aren't fans of that music. It gave you an opportunity to not totally want to pull out whatever's left of your hair. Um there was a lot made about the fact that after Eminem uh, per- finished his performance, he took a knee. Uh, I, you look, you know, and supposedly the NFL told him that uh, he was not supposed to do that, you know, and, and warned him not to take a knee, and he did it anyway. And uh, I don't know, you know, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, this whole kneeling thing has gotten so blown up. And, and, and by the way, you know, you got you got a group of hip hop artists in there that are kind of uh, I would you don't want to say they're counterculture guys, but they, these are guys that march to the beat of their own drummer. If you told these guys not to kneel, you're almost begging them to kneel by doing that. But the NFL denies reports, by the way, that they said they asked him not to do that. Uh, whatever, you know. I, but again, as, as halftime shows go, wasn't the worst one ever. The weekend was far worse, and, and there's been others that, that have been bad as well. This was not it. I will say this. I hope next year, can we get back to some, get, get some, get, get somebody from country music on there. I'm begging you. It's one of the most popular genres in the country outside of probably the, the, the hip-hop crap now. I'm begging you. Get some country music back in there. Something. Throw me a bone. Uh, but anyway, wasn't, wasn't the worst. Um, I thought Mickey Guyton, by the way, did a great job, speaking of country artists, I thought she did a great job on the national anthem. Thought it was great. Um, and then uh, there were the commercials, and there were some entertaining commercials. There is no doubt. I have to tell you, I enjoyed the BMW uh, commercial. 
with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Zeus. I thought that was great. And Selma Hayek uh, in it as well. I thought that was really, uh, I thought it was funny. I really did. I loved uh, the, the Chevy commercial with the Sopranos theme song. That was great. The best part about it was, and I didn't recognize her at first, but the person driving the the, uh, the Chevy truck, the Silverado, was Jamie Lynn Siegler, who played Meadow on The Sopranos, one of my all-time favorite shows. And uh, I thought that was great. And then, of course, you know, got yourself a gun, and then they show her whipping out the uh, the electric charging thing and plug, <laughs> plugging it into the truck. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was entertaining. Um, I also loved the fact that Verizon pulled Jim Carrey in. Got him to reprise his uh, cable guy uh, a persona to uh, to talk about their 5G service. I thought that was good. Um, it was good to see Anheuser Busch back. They were they didn't do a thing last year, but they did a thing about a, an injured Clydesdale. You know they like to do those ones that uh, kind of tug at your heart. A lot of people were talking about the uh, the GM ad with the uh, the characters from Austin Powers. I couldn't care less. I'm not an Austin Powers fan. I like Mike Myers, but I just thought those movies were stupid. But that's just me. Uh, I thought that the uh, Rocket Mortgage commercial with Anna Kendrick was pretty funny with the Barbie house. I <laughs> thought that was pretty good. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Um, uh, I also enjoyed the uh, uh, the one with Larry David for the, the cryptocurrency. Uh, Larry David, I just look at that guy and he cracks me up. Uh, and by the way, I have no interest in cryptocurrency. I don't even know. I know. I know what it is. Don't get me wrong. I know what cryptocurrency is, but couldn't care less. You know, it's not something I'm ever going to get involved in. But uh, Larry David, I thought was pretty funny in that commercial. So I thought. I thought overall the commercials were pretty good this year. Uh, I really did. I thought. Uh, uh, I thought they they weren't bad uh, at all. You know, the the last one, the ones last year, I thought were kind of, you know. You know, and we have to I think last year, too, we have to remember that we were in the middle of the whole the COVID thing. I, I felt like we were getting a little bit closer back to uh, back to the old days. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and the last thing about the Super Bowl before uh, we move on. Uh, a lot was being made of uh, Al Michaels introduction of Chris Collinsworth in this game uh, yesterday. And when he introduced him, he said uh you know, that the Bengals get to the Super Bowl uh, for the first time since 1988 when this man, uh, he comes sliding in here for one final time, Chris Collinsworth played in that game. And they're making a lot of it where Al Michaels said final time. Now, did that mean the final time this season? Or did it mean the final time that those two guys are going to work together? Of course, Al Michaels' contract with NBC is up. There's been a lot of rumors that uh, he might go uh, to Amazon for their Thursday night. They're going to have the streaming package for uh, Thursday night football. Uh, there's been talk that he might go to ESPN to return to the Monday night football booth, replace Steve Levy. I, By the way, I think Steve Levy is fine in the booth. Um, am I a big fan of the the group as a whole? Eh, you know, Brian Greasy, meh, you know. Uh, but uh, there's some talk that he might go there. Uh, he's 77 years old, but he says he has no intention of retiring. He wants to keep doing it. And frankly, he's as good as it gets. Uh, I'll listen to Al Michaels any day, any day over Joe Buck, any day. I'll, you know what? And I'll, I'll probably listen to, and I like Jim Nance, but I'll probably listen. I, I probably like him better than Jim Nance too. 
I can't stand Chris Collinsworth. He annoys the crap out of me. But I like Al Michaels, so I hope he does get another job. And, and with Mike Tirico, uh, when he was brought over to NBC, everybody knew that it was eventually going to be that Tirico was going to become the guy doing NBC football. You know, he's kind of their sports guy, and he was going to be doing the big stuff. So this is the opportunity now for them to slide Tirico into the booth with Michael's contract up. I'd be shocked if they if he returns. I again, I, I don't, I don't. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, other than the fact, I hope that he does continue to get a job. And it sounds like Amazon wants him badly. So uh, and he says he doesn't want to retire. So I think we'll see see Al Michaels. But maybe that was the last time that he and Chris Collinsworth uh, are going to work together. But uh, we'll have to see. It is thirty minutes past the hour. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. we got some Olympic news to talk about. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, I actually get to spend Valentine's Day with my wife. She's off today, so pretty excited about that. Uh, but uh, happy Valentine's Day to you uh, ladies listening out there. Uh, and uh, I hope it's a good one. It is a chilly one here. It's going to, although here in Hayesville, we're supposed to get up to about 60 degrees. I saw you guys got some snow up in the northeast yesterday. Uh, all I can say is, ha! <laughs> I cannot begin to tell you how much glee uh, I have in the fact that, you know, we are now into the second week of February, and I have seen exactly three inches of snow this year. It is... It is a beautiful thing. Uh, I'll be outside. i got to start constructing my brand-new garden. Uh, I've got uh, nine raised beds getting ready to build and uh, a chicken run and a chicken enclosure and a chicken coop. So i got a lot of work to do, uh, but I am so excited to uh, be able to do that and hopefully can uh, start planting things in a couple of weeks down here. Um, so let's get to uh, some Olympic news. And the word came down this morning that the Russian teenager, the skater, uh, Camila Valieva has been cleared to compete in the women's figure skating competition, uh, which begins tomorrow. Um, however, while she ha- she can compete, they are not going to hold the medal ceremony for the team event, which you remember the Russians won because of what Valieva did, um, and if. There, uh, if there, any of the Russians are on the Olympic podium for the women's figure skating competition, there won't be a medal ceremony there either. Um, and the thinking is this. There is still a chance. While they have cleared her to play, they are not out of the woods. There is still a good chance uh, that she will be stripped of her medal and that uh, anybody who competes for the Russians, and if they fail a test, they could be... Um, uh, could be stripped of that as well as, you know, the Russians just continue to thumb their nose and flip the bird or whatever you want to the rest of the world when it comes to this stuff. Uh, the The Court of Arbitration for Sport uh, was the ones that cleared her to do this. They did it, they said, in part because she is a minor. And in, in uh, uh, Olympic terms, they consider them, uh, they call them protected persons. Uh, and, and their rules are a little bit different from an adult athlete. Why? Well, because the thought is, is as a minor competing for 
Russia or any other country for that matter, that because they are a minor, they could be coerced or forced to do something that an adult wouldn't. And if an adult gets caught, the thought is that uh, it was their decision. Um, So uh, but the IOC did say that while she has been cleared, there, there will not be a medal ceremony. Um, you know, and, and look, uh, here's the thing, you know, and, and the Russians already can't even compete under their own flag. They're, they're competing as the members of the Russian Olympic committee. And that is, by the way, is all supposed to end this year, this, this, with this Olympics, but it doesn't make any difference to these people. You know, look, Russia has been telling the world to go screw itself for pretty much uh, the last hundred years. You know, and with this guy, Vladimir Putin, in charge, uh, look, he's got 100,000 troops on the border of Ukraine getting ready to invade, even though he says, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. They poison people around the world. You know, they, they have people going out and assassinating people with poison. It's been proven. You know, a couple of instances in Europe, one in England and, and one, I think, in Germany. That they, You know, there I read an article this morning and it was it was really good in the Associated Press. And and basically it comes down to this. The Russians feel. That the end justifies the means if they win Olympic medals, they don't care how they do it. If they want to get rid of uh, somebody who's a, they consider an enemy of the state, they don't care how they do it. And they don't care what anybody thinks. They're just going to do what they're going to do. You know? Uh, and what's what? Are, what's anybody going to do about it? Look, at the end of the day, you know, if Putin and the Russians invade Ukraine, what are we going to do? You know, Joe Biden is talking about, well, swift and decisive action. What the hell are we going to do? We're not sending troops over there. We're not going to start World War III over this. What are we going to do? Okay, so we're going to impose sanctions. Unless every country in the world, and I mean every country in the world, follows suit, it's not going to mean a damn bit of difference. They already were allowed to, uh, to annex the Crimea, and nobody did a damn thing. You know, so at the end of the day, the Russians are like, hey, you know, what are you going to do? And it hasn't made any difference, by the way, in their success in the Olympics, the fact that they can't compete under their flag. They don't give a crap. They're still winning medals. They may be cheating to do it, but they're still winning medals, whether it's under the Russian flag, whether it's under the Russian Olympic Committee flag, or whether it's under the IOC flag. Because I think one, I think in the beginning... Uh, when this all started, they were the uh, uh, they were under just under the IOC flag or something. And uh, but regardless, they don't care. You know, so uh, I, I don't want to, you know, and, and when I found out this girl had, had tested positive, you know, for a banned substance and it was at the it was after the Russian championships, by the way, it was it was in December. It was before a couple of months before the Olympics. You know, my first reaction was angry. My first reaction was, I want this girl to fail, you know, and I want her to fall down on her face. But then you remember that she's 15 years old. You know, and I guarantee you, you know, look, uh, the Russians have a history of, hey, you know, you do what we say or we're going to make things difficult for you or for your family. You know, 
And do I think it's beyond the realm of possibility that the Russians went to this girl and said, we want you to take here, take these pills or you're going to take this shot or you're going to do whatever, whether you like it or not. And if you don't, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but if you don't, you and your family are going to the gulag. I mean, seriously. So my first reaction was I wanted her to fall flat on her face. But then I realized she's 15. She's vulnerable. You know, the, the Russian uh, government are the ultimate bullies. So what? She, she didn't really have an option. I mean, I guess she did. But at the end of the day, she just wants to skate. So I, I do feel badly for her. Um, and look, she skated magnificently, and she's you know landing quads all over the place. And, and I'm not even a big fan of figure skating, but you had to be impressed by what she did. You know, but it's not at, at the end of the day. I we have to recognize that she's 15, and and my guess is this wasn't her idea. You know, if she took these drugs, uh, whatever it is, it wasn't her idea. You know, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that she should be allowed to compete necessarily. But it tempers my anger at at her because it's not her. It's the system that they have set up over there. And, you know, uh, and the fact that they just continue or they are allowed to continue to do this stuff is just mind boggling, mind boggling. You know, and, and, and I, I don't even want to say that, uh, you know, I can't even say, look, it's the the evil empire, the Russians, you know, because, look, you know, they, they people around the world look at the United States as if we're the evil empire, like, you know, the big bad United States throwing its weight around. And look, everybody that is looking from the outside at any other country is going to have a different kind of opinion. You know, I guarantee you, like, you know, people in, in, in Germany, for instance, probably aren't huge fans of the United States. Or, you know, or any, you know, China. They're not, they're not big fans of the United States, probably. You know, it, it's just, that's just the way it is. But when this government systematically does things like this with doping and the IOC does absolutely nothing and they continue to allow these athletes to compete, that's the problem. And to me, the only way this gets solved is if the IOC grows some balls and says, no. Because of what your country has done, your athletes will not be allowed to participate, period. And until that happens, there is no chance that this changes. None. Because that's the only thing they understand. You know, it's kind of like if they invade Ukraine. The only thing the Russians would understand is if somebody nuked the crap out of them and made them pay for it. Now, that's not going to happen because it starts World War III and now we're all going to die. It's not going to happen. But the only thing the Russians understand is brute force, which is cutting them completely out of the Olympics, you know, bloodying their nose if they try to invade Ukraine. Uh, you know, look, they tried to influence our elections, you know, the last couple of times. Jesus, I mean, what the hell else do we need to know about them? So I'm, I'm not upset at the young lady. You know, I feel badly for her in a way because she's gotten caught in the middle of this. But this is something that's going to be a black eye on that sport for a long, long time. And now it is going to raise questions, just like we went through with Major League Baseball, for instance, you know, with, uh, with the, uh, the PEDs and all the other stuff. Now, all of a sudden, 
PEDs in figure skating. We never thought that was an issue. Now, all of a sudden, it's going to be an issue, and it's going to be an issue for all time because now whenever somebody does something new, there's going to be questions, especially if they're from, you know, that part of the world, whether it's Russia or somebody that's in their sphere. That is now going to be a permanent question, and it's unfortunate. Uh, on the good news, uh, the United States wins a couple of medals. Erin uh, Jackson, good for her. Uh, she wins a gold medal in the 500 meters uh, yesterday. Uh, it was the first medal for the American speed skating program uh, in the Beijing Games and their first individual medal since 2010. And look, this is a young lady, by the way, and this makes it even better. Uh, and I don't even want to get into the, the, you know, the, she's the first black woman to win a speed skating. I, you know, I don't care what color her skin is. Congratulations to her. But the other, but the, the thing that's cool to me is she's the one that stumbled in the U.S. championships and wasn't even going to qualify for the Olympics and was given a spot uh, by one of her teammates who pulled out of that event so that she could have her spot. So uh, good for her. Aaron Jackson took uh, good advantage of that. And uh, Kaylee Humphreys, who was up until two months ago, was a Canadian citizen, uh, won a gold medal yesterday. It was her third Olympic medal, by the way, uh, in the monobob. She uh, uh, won gold. And uh, Elena Myers-Taylor of the United States was also second. It was her fourth medal, by the way, uh, most by anybody in a bobsled event in uh, U.S. history. Um, but uh, Humphreys, her fourth as well, three of those for Canada. Uh, she, started, she started competing for the U.S. in 2019. She's married to a, uh, a guy from the United States. And uh, so now she got her citizenship in December, which allowed her to compete for the United States in the Olympics, and she took advantage of it. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, people competing for other countries. Um, a lot of the talk was, if you remember, uh, uh, Eileen Gu, uh, who participated for China. She's from she's from uh, uh, California, but chose to compete for her mother's uh, native China over the United States. And uh, there was uh, a lot of furor about that, especially the fact that the Chinese do not allowed dual citizenship so how all of a sudden was she competing for china well china did this with a couple of people there's a, somebody on the chinese hockey team uh playing uh, for them from the united states and they just kind of looked the other way and said yeah we don't allow dual citizenship but because you have chinese heritage we'll allow you to do it this time um you know and you know there was talk about well do you have to you know because they don't do you have to renounce your u.s citizenship look nobody's nobody is renouncing their u.s citizenship for this uh, it's just a matter of uh, the Chinese, because they're hosting it, trying to give themselves uh, better chances uh, to medal. Uh, and if they found somebody that had Chinese heritage, they went out and said, hey, here's the deal. And could she have competed for the United States? Obviously. She's obviously very good. She won. Uh, but uh, so Kaylee Humphreys uh, represents the United States after representing Canada, you know, and winning three medals for them. But, you know, that's a, this to me was different. It's Kennedy, United States. She married an American. It wasn't like, you know, uh, something fishy. That The whole Chinese thing's a little bit fishy. But it is what it is. It is what it is. So that's where we're at as far as the Olympics go. And, uh, you know, it, again, it's a shame what's going on with the skating. and uh, But it's the Russians. So should we be surprised? 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take one more break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Those of you that have been trying to watch on Facebook this morning, I know the signal is coming in and out. We still struggle with the Internet connection here. The good news is is uh, word has come down that 
uh, we are getting close. Uh, the local uh, uh, utility company, uh, we finally have enough signatures in the area. There is a chance, a pretty good chance, that we are going to have fiber here uh, in the next few months. You know, um, you know, maybe six months. That's that's the talk. So if that's the case. Uh, things are going to improve on the video front quite a bit. I'm pretty excited about that. If you are watching on Facebook, you see we've uh, done some more work on the office. We got uh, we got a new hat rack back or our shelf up there to display. I've got uh, I probably have a hundred hats between colleges and Negro League teams and minor league teams and major league teams. So uh, I decided to put a a shelf up to display a lot of my hats and we'll rotate them around and stuff. And I, I tell you what, I my wife is it's. Um, on Valentine's Day, you know, I mean, my wife doesn't like Valentine's Day, by the way. You know, her thing is, is that if it's the only time of the year that you tell somebody that you love them, you have a bigger problem, you know, and she's right. Uh, but I will say this, um, uh, you know, so and, and the other thing is, she says, if you're going to buy me anything on, on Valentine's Day, don't go spend a lot of money. And if you're going to buy me flowers, go to the department store and buy me some uh, supermarket flowers. <laughs> I mean, guys, guys. You know, not for nothing, but I hit the jackpot as far as that goes. But also the fact that she has made a point of making sure that uh, the studio here, the office that I have here is, this is, uh, I pinch myself when I come down here. I mean, it's better than anything I've ever had. You can't see it, but I have bookshelves over here with my military history library, my all my other books and my all my sports books. And uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, and just, uh, uh, she just says she's, just unbelievable. So, uh, happy Valentine's Day, Barbie. Just uh, things just keep. She just keeps making my life better. She really does. Um, the other story that came down this weekend, as we uh, look to wrap things up here this morning, um, Trevor Bauer is not going to be charged criminally for what happened with the uh, woman that he was involved with out in California. Now, of course, he's basically uh, was suspended for the entire year. Uh, put on administrative leave because of the charges, uh, you know, that a woman said that uh, he basically sodomized her while she was uh, unconscious and beat her and, you know. uh, And and then, you know, they they did the investigation and there was no doubt. He had text messages. There was no doubt that the woman, she wanted rough sex. And then the second time she said she wanted rougher sex. And, you know, there was enough ambiguity with what was going on with the he said, she said, where the prosecutors didn't feel like they had um, enough evidence to do anything. You know what I mean? So, you know, I I think that while there may be something to the charges, you know, I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't feel they had uh, a case where they could win it beyond a reasonable doubt. And, of course, Trevor Bauer, as soon as this word came down that he wasn't going to be charged, went on social media yesterday, uh, posted like a seven-minute video and said, look, uh, you know, he said that, uh, everything they did was consensual. He said every, each encounter that he had with her, uh, ended with them joking and her spending the night. He said the disturbing acts and conduct that she described simply did not occur. And he said he wasn't going to address every single lie or falsehood, but he said uh, he denied. But he but he denied punching her in her face or anywhere else. Denied that they had anal sex, which was one of the big things. And and he said when she left his home, he said she didn't look anything like the photos that were later circulated and and, and filed in court. So 
And of course he's going to say that because now he knows he's not going to be charged, so he can he can let loose. Um, but you know, again, uh, even the judge noted, uh, you know, in the communications with Bauer that that she wasn't ambiguous about wanting rough sex in their first or their second encounters. So he said, "Look," he said, "you know." You know, we consider in a sexual we consider in a sexual encounter that when a woman says no, she should be believed. She should be believed. Uh, but what do we do when she says yes? You know, and that's the problem. I think that maybe is the thing that the prosecutors wrestle with. You know, now the big question is going to be what will Major League Baseball do here? They didn't bring charges. There was enough ambiguity to say that maybe it didn't happen the way that she said. So what do you do now? The under their domestic violence policies and everything else, they could suspend him for a year. But you know, this didn't even go to court, and there were you know, I mean, there was you know, so I don't know. I mean, but we have seen them suspend guys before when there's been um, evidence or 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 alleged spousal abuse, et cetera, et cetera. You know, even though there are no charges were filed, you know, we've still seen guys get suspended. I will be surprised if he does not get suspended for an entire year. But I would also not be surprised if he sues Major League Baseball to try to get his right to play restored. That would not shock me at all either. So stay tuned. It's, uh, it's ugly, uh, but it's been ugly from day one. You know, with him, so uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see. But I would be shocked if he plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers this year. You know, and the good news, I guess, for the Dodgers, if you know, if he doesn't play, they don't have to pay him. So one of the quick notes: Celtics win last night. They win their eighth straight. Jason Tatum, thirty-eight points. They come from behind uh, to beat the Atlanta Hawks, one hundred five to ninety-five. The Celtics now find themselves in sixth place, so they are not in the. Uh, uh, the play-in position anymore, and they're only four and a half games behind the uh, Miami Heat for first place. So the Celtics are playing very well. They got a chance maybe to improve that, get themselves up higher, and get themselves a better seed. But uh, they are one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, eight in a row, and they have won uh, nine of their last 11 games to put themselves in much better shape. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. Going to leave you this morning. Another song from a group called Folks Like Them. Uh, it's a father and son team, and I found them on Facebook. Uh, it's, it's kind of more old-time country music, but these guys are really, really good. Uh, this, uh, this song is called uh, Daddy's Garden. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.